want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going one final time to look at uh, bringing the family into focus, seeing the family as God intended it to be, seeing it not as the world has given us a warped and distorted vision, but as the Scriptures point us to. The Scriptures are always our point of reference. Uh, We can hear some truth from other places. We can listen to truth from uh, godly people. But it's only valid and good as long as it's rooted in Scripture. And so we go to the Scriptures to see what the Lord has for us. His plan for the family. We've looked at his plan for marriage. And now we look at the second primary relationship in the family, that of parents and children. And I want you to understand this morning that every single member of this church and every attender of this church has something to see in this passage. As a church family, we not only have a responsibility for our biological children and the children that we have in our, in our care, but we also have a responsibility to the students and the children in our church. Very often there is a child or a student that does not have a spiritual parent. They do not have a spiritual father. It is the responsibility of every parent to be the spiritual parent of their child. But let's be honest, uh, many are not. Uh, I think of Timothy in the scriptures of how Paul became his spiritual father. Timothy's physical father was alive, but he was not a believer. And so Paul became a surrogate spiritual parent. In the church, we get the opportunity to do that. There are, there are students and there are children whose parents are not being spiritual parents to them. And so we get the opportunity to, in their place, not replace them as their parent, but serve as a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to that, that child or that student. Uh, and I see many of you doing that. Not only that, but we also get the privilege to come alongside parents who are trying to raise their children in the nurture of the admonition of the Lord. And we get the opportunity to encourage them and affirm them and help complement the work that they are doing in their family. As we look at this passage this morning, I want to remind you, as we all know, this is something that we often don't think about in church because we talk about the blessing that children are. And children are a blessing from the Lord. Amen? But as someone has said, children can one moment put a lump in your throat and the next be a pain in the neck. Let's just be honest. Parenting is, is challenging. Uh, we love our kids. And there are times, though, when uh, you know, they just seem like they're just dancing on every last nerve that we have. Sometimes it's not the kids. Sometimes we bring things on ourselves and we, we put undue expectations on them. There was a man that shared the story years ago of uh, taking his children to a restaurant, and they hadn't been to restaurants all that much, and so he was trying to teach them how to behave and how to conduct themselves. And He said every time they would go to one of the, it was one of the older-type steakhouses, he said when they would get up to the cash register, you remember how they used to have the little bowls of mints right next to the cash register, those, those powdery pastel mints. And the kids would always just get him a big old handful, and he was having to fuss at them and get on them. So finally he'd had enough. And so as they sat at the table, he said, Now I'm getting ready to go up, and I'm going to pay for our meal. Don't touch the mints. Don't get one. I don't, not, not a handful. Don't get any mints. And so he went up to the register, and he pulled out his wallet, and as he began to pay, he looked down, and sure enough, one little tiny hand, one small hand, 
was just reaching up and getting just a big old hand. He said just about the time he said he'd had all he could handle, he just reached over and he just smacked the fire out of that little hand. Just popped that hand. And he turned around and there was this little old lady standing behind him <laughs> with a red hand full of mints. Sometimes in parenting we bring some things on ourselves. What are the principles? What are the truths of this passage? Well, first of all, I want, you to see, I want you to see three things this morning. But first of all, our text shows us the task or the job of the family, of parenting and children. Now, it's very interesting. This is a verse that um, parents love for their kids to memorize. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What is the task of the family? The task of the family is to bring our children into a personal relationship, a thriving personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and for them to engage in love-motivated service and obedience to God. And they learn that through what he gives to the fathers, to the parents. Notice what he says to the children. Children, obey your parents. Now this is learning obedience. Why are children to obey their parents in the Lord? Because it is the Lord who has established the parent as the authority in the life of the child. And for the child to act against the parent is for the child to act against God. How we act toward our parents, how we conduct ourselves toward our parents is how we are ultimately acting toward God's authority. God said, children, obey your parents. Now, can I get a big amen from all the, all the parents? That was, that was weak, guys. I know, of course, your children are just always obedient, and so that's not something you have to emphasize with yours. So I, I understand that. But children obey your parents. We're pretty good about the obedience. We want to lay down the law. We've got the rules. Here are all the rules about the family. Here's, here's what you can do. Here's what we can't do. And those rules are good. There's a place we are to teach them to obey. If there's obedience, there is just sort of assumed and understood that mom and dad are giving some instructions. They're giving some rules to follow. But the child's responsibility and then ultimately the parent's responsibility to teach them is not just obedience, but honor your father and mother. Now, I, I want to get not just the, the children. I'm, kids, I'm not just preaching to y'all this morning on this part because it is the responsibility of the parents to make sure that these things are taking place, that the obedience and the honor. I hear, I'm, can, I, can I just meddle a little bit this morning? Y'all came to hear preaching, but I'm going to meddle a little bit. I hear a lot of griping and complaining about this younger generation and how they conduct themselves and how they do this and how they do that. You want to know where the fault lies? Who raised this generation? Now, can I get an amen from all the kids on that? Now... I'm not, I'm not casting blame either way, but before we start criticizing anyone too harshly, we need to understand that when there's not obedience and respect that have been taught, then there's not re obedience and respect that are going to take place. 
And so when he says to the children, children, obey your parents, that means parents, you have to take the responsibility to make sure they obey you. It's much easier to just let things go, isn't it? Isn't it much easier just to lay dads and sit in your recliner and, and yell a little bit and say, if I have to get out of this recliner, and the kids know, of course, you are not. Nothing could get you out of that recliner. We had an earthquake last Sunday, and it didn't get some Baptists out of their recliners. So it's a responsibility to obey. But it goes beyond obedience to honor, to respect. It's to show respect for and care for. Now this is where, let me say to those of us who are adult children, this is where it goes beyond just being a child at home, that honor and respect is to take place. That is to be a lifelong command for us to obey. Honor and respect. I still to this day have uh, reverential fear for for my parents. My mom is probably watching this, so she's going to hear me say this. But I spend a good portion of my adult life worrying that if I do something my mom taught me not to do, she's going to pop around the corner at any given moment and wrap me beside the on the knuckles or behind the head. My mom had the ability to um, to look at you and put the fear of God in you. I was sitting in church one service. I was in church a lot growing up, so my misconduct in church was not really misconduct. At least that's my rationalization of it since I've become an adult. And my mom looked at a friend of mine and I. We were sitting there, and we weren't really misbehaving. We were, we were discussing the pastor's sermon is what we were. And she just looked at me, and that's all she had to do. And my friend leaned over. He said, I'm sure glad my mom can't look like that. So I still have respect, and I still have that, that honor. But it's more than just obedience. The Bible takes us beyond just obedience. And you see, this is where it's relevant in our Christian life because my, my response to God is not just mere obedience. It is to be respectful obedience. It is to be obedience out of love for him, not out of a fear of what's going to happen to me. You see, that's the difference between outward conforming and inward transforming. Outward conforming says, I'm going to obey God's commands because if I don't, something really bad is going to happen to me. Or I'm going to obey God's commands because I want people to think well of me. And when it comes down to it, I'm supposed to obey God out of a heart of love for him, out of a heart of respect and honor to the God, the Father that I love. So when we teach our children, let's not just stop with obedience. Let's not just stop with behavioral modification. You see, a lot of us get satisfied. Our kids know how to behave. They know how to conduct themselves in social situations. They know how to conduct themselves in life. We've equipped them with all the exterior skills that they need to succeed in life, but we've not focused and we've not spent time on their inward transformation by the Holy Spirit. And that is what our goal is. That is what our task is. Our goal, our task, is for them to have genuine conversion, a genuine relationship with God, and obedience to God out of a motivation of love for Him, teaching both obedience and honor, obedience and respect. How do we do this? What is the task of the parents in this? Children, your task is to obey and respect respectful obedience. Parents, he speaks to primarily the fathers. 
But the task of the parenting is combined in this passage when he connects the, the father and the mother, the honor your father and your mother. But he puts the primary task on dads, on the husband and the family, on the dad and the family. And our world is beginning to understand the importance of fathers in the home. They're beginning to recognize the the sociological impact that the absence of a dad can have. And God says, fathers, how do we do this? Well, he says, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What are these two things? How do, we, how do we teach them obedience and honor? We do it with nurture and admonition. Nurture means to encourage and to, to create an environment where growth can take place. You nurture something. You, those of you who like to garden or like to have plants all over the house, uh, you, sometimes you walk in a house and you feel like you've, you've entered into the jungle because there's plants everywhere. And some of you really like your plants. You nurture that plant. You take a little seedling, a little, a little clipping, and you try to nurture it to, to full growth. And that is what our task for our children is to create an environment. I mentioned a few weeks ago the, the greenhouse concept that our homes are to be a greenhouse where spiritual growth can take place. You have to create the environment. There has to be the, the word of God in the home. There have to be things that are kept out of the home. There have to be rules. There have to be things to obey. There has to be a manifestation and a modeling of truth. There has to be a modeling. If you want your children to know Christ as their Savior, then you need to know Christ as your Savior. If you want them to have a genuine relationship with Christ, then you need to have a genuine relationship with Christ. And if you want them to serve and obey out of a heart of love for God, then you need to serve and obey out of a heart of love for God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, as God is giving the law to the people of Israel, he says, these words that I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. Very often we provoke to wrath by teaching without having in our own heart. That is a part of having Christ as the center of our home. It means that it's true for us. And so we, we nurture, we, we create a grace-filled environment. Now, let me pause a minute and say that there's misconceptions about what grace is. For some, showing grace means letting them do whatever they want to do. No, that's not grace, and that's not loving. Grace, and God in his grace never says you can go out and do what you want to do. God still gives us commands. God still gives us principles and guidelines for us to follow. Grace is a change from that outward pressure to obey and to conform to an inward work of the Holy Spirit to transform us. And that is what we are to teach. So we are to nurture that in our children. Nurture a heart of grace. Nurture a relationship with God that transforms them. Let me tell you that the Holy Spirit will do what you and I can never do in the lives of our children. The Holy Spirit is the one who works and transforms and brings his fruit. He sanctifies them just like he sanctifies us. How many of you need a little work of the Holy Spirit in your life from time to time? The rest of you do too. You just don't want to admit it. And our children need a work of the Holy Spirit. But it's not just nurture. He says the nurture and the admonition. The admonition is words of wisdom and correction and challenge. 
there has to be that time when there's speaking that takes place. Now, I understand that just like we don't like to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, that sometimes children don't like to be corrected and spoken to. But that's a part of the, that's a part of the work that we're to do. We can't just let them get by with things. There has to be that time where we admonish them. So it's the nurture and the admonition. Unfortunately, some families focus only on the nurture, and there's never the admonition, the correction. Others focus always on the correction and the admonition, and they're constantly speaking words and wisdom and correction, but there's not the nurture. But to develop within our children a heart for God and a love for God and a passion for God, for them to know God, it has to be in our heart, and we have to both nurture that and provide that greenhouse, but there also comes time where we have to come in and pull a few weeds. And our goal, our task, is to help them know Christ and grow in Christ and obey with a respectful obedience. Boy, that's a great task. That's a hard job. It's much easier to just either make a whole bunch of strict rules that they have to follow and make them go by that, or it's even easier just to let them do what they want to do and just sort of throw a few verses of Scripture at them and bring them to Sunday school and do whatever we want to the rest of the time. But to find that balance of seeking after God is hard. Can I give you a word of encouragement about this? When it comes to parenting, when it comes to this job that God has given to us, success for a Christian parent is not being a perfect parent. Can I just let you know, most of us have already figured this out. Some of you are just embarking on the the parental journey. Can I just let you know you're not going to be perfect? You're not qualified. And the moment you first look into that little baby's face, and you realize the enormity of the responsibility that God has just given to you, I want to let you know you are going to realize you're not qualified. You always hear people say, I'm going to go to this conference. There's a parental ex, there's a parenting expert. I automatically don't want to go to that conference for two reasons. Number one, there are no parenting experts. And number two, if somebody thinks they're a parenting expert, I don't want to be around them. Now, there's always those that don't tell you how, how it ought to be done. Let's go to the Scriptures and understand that being a successful parent is not being a perfect parent. It's being a priority parent. It's being a parent that puts Christ as the priority. Now, is this a challenge is this, is this a difficult task? Yes, it is. And here comes the trial of the family or the challenge of the family. And that is that to do this is to act unnaturally. You see, God wouldn't have to give commands for us to do things that we naturally do. If we were going to be this way anyway, God would never have to say, do these things. It comes unnatural to us. And that's why it is a work of grace, and that is why he has said at the very beginning of this section on the family, be filled with the Spirit. Because it is only by the work of the Holy Spirit, it is only by God's grace at work in our life that we're going to be able to do this task. The best thing that we can learn and figure out is, I can't do it, but God can. I can't parent, but God can. I can't be a good husband but God can. 
I can't be the good family member that I need to be, but God can. You see, I know that there's a lot of parents who struggle because when they hear these truths, they immediately begin to feel the guilt of past failures, the things that I wish I had done. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or necessarily respond, but if I did this morning, I suspect nearly every parent in here would raise their hand and say, there are regrets that I have with my children. If I could just go back, I would, I would undo some things. I would redo some things. I would do some of the things that I did more and better. And we, we worry about those things and we, we regret those things. And Very often it's true about spiritual things. As I think back over the last years of my life, I don't have regrets over providing for the physical needs of my family, my sons. I have some regrets over emotional or education, mental things, but I have a number of regrets about meeting their spiritual needs. And it's not because I didn't seek to do that, but it's because they are so important and such a priority that even what I did, I feel like was not enough. That's our priority. And I could carry around that weight. And there are times where I have to come to God and I have to say, God, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. I did this wrong. I have to let, take those burdens off my shoulders and give them to God and say, God, I'm asking you to redeem my failures. Because that's what God can do. God can take the mistakes of our past. God can make, take the things that we did wrong and we wish we'd have done better. And he can turn those things for his glory. And he can empower us and enable us for the days ahead to make the spiritual well-being of our children a priority. To take down the idols that grow in our home. They don't grow in our home. We build them in our home. We take good things and make idols out of them. We take education, and it's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. It's a powerful thing. It's an important thing. But we make it a God thing. We take good things and make God things. And we take sports and activities and hobbies, and we take those good things that God has given us to enjoy, and we make an idol out of them, and we make a God out of them. We even take family time, which is a good thing, and it's a blessing from God, and we make an idol out of it. When the only one that should be worshipped in our homes is God himself. He's the one. And so we take those failures and we give them to God. And it is God's grace that enables us to succeed in the challenge of the family. The third truth and final truth that I'll point you to briefly this morning is the treasure of the family. What a blessing our families are. Children are a treasure from the Lord, the Bible says. They're a blessing. They are a gift from God. If you look at this passage, notice the, the treasure for the children. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. When you go through the Ten Commandments, the first one that has a promise attached to it, is the commandment to honor your father and mother. 
Look at this. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Long life and a good life, that it may be well. It was an important truth, an important concept in Israel, in the Jewish culture, for there to be wholeness and wellness, peace. Remember in Deuteronomy, uh, Jeremiah 29 where we talked about seek the peace, the wellness of your city, the shalom, the wholeness, the wellness, the peace. And he says, when you do this, it will be well with you. Now, you won't always understand, especially when you're young, you won't always understand how that's going to happen. But I trust in the promise of God, and God has given his word to us that this is a promise from him that if you respectfully obey your parents, you honor your parents, you obey your parents, that it will be well with you. I am convinced that the troubles that many people are facing in their life can be traced back to their disrespect and their disobedience to their parents. That it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long upon the earth. The blessings of God. What about for parents? A wise son, Proverbs says, makes a glad father. Go through Proverbs sometime and read about the blessing that a a wise child is to their parents. That's That's the treasure See, often we look at all the challenges and sometimes we come to church and we've struggled to get everybody ready to be here on time and we've fought and we've fussed and someone has said that as Winston Churchill gave the great speech, we'll, we'll fight in the, in the roads, we'll fight on the beaches, we'll fight in the fields. They said that sounds like our family vacation. And we've bought into this idea that a family is just something that we just tolerate each other. That's not what God intended. God intended for us to delight in our families, to love each other. And I want to tell you that the only way we will have that kind of home, that kind of family, is when Christ is at the center of every relationship in the family. That Christ is the center of our marriages. That Christ is the center of our parenting and our children and that Christ is the center of our home, not just putting his picture on the wall, not just talking about him, not just showing up for church occasionally, not just bringing the kids and dropping them off for Sunday school, but having within our hearts a passion for God, to know God, to love God, and to pass that on to our children, to love each other as Christ has loved us, to show the same grace to each other that God has shown to us in his grace. That's God being the center of our homes. That is God's plan for the family. Can I ask you this morning, is God, is Christ the center of your home? I'm not asking, are you Christians? I'm not asking, do you know how to talk Christianese? I'm not saying, are you in church? You're clearly here this morning or watching I'm asking, is Christ the center of your marriage? Is Christ the center of your home? Preacher, I've I've failed in this. My children didn't turn out the way that I hoped they would. Can I close with one word of encouragement? 
Our children, we influence them, but we do not determine them. We, as parents, are a primary influence on our children. But when they, as they mature and as they grow, they make their choices. It is a biblical truth and a biblical principle that each person is responsible for their choices. And so someone may feel guilty this morning and may be carrying a heavy burden because your child that you poured into and you tried to teach and you did all these things, as they became an adult, they moved away from where you hoped they would be. And you've carried that burden. I want you to know this morning, you can take that burden, you can lay it at the feet of Jesus, and you can say, God, what my child did and how they chose was in spite of what I did, not because of what I did. But I'm trusting you. I'm giving them to you. I'm turning them over to you. I'm taking that weight off my shoulders, and I'm giving it to you. Somebody may need to come this morning and kneel at this altar and take off the burden of the mistakes that you've made with your children and take those burdens off and say, God, I'm giving them to you. I'm asking you to redeem my failures. Some families and parents may need to come with their children and just kneel at the altar and say, by God's grace, Christ is going to be the center of my home. Christ is going to be the center. Maybe, maybe husbands and wives need to come this morning and kneel and say, God, by your grace, you're going to be the center of our marriage. But I want you to know that our church will be no stronger than its families, and our nation will be no stronger than its families. And God has given us a plan that puts him at the center, and when he's at the center, the family is a treasure. The family is a blessing. The family is a joy. Father, I pray that you will speak to hearts this morning. Do your work. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak. Take this scripture.